Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Uh, we're going to be in our week number two of our Christmas series, and we're talking about peace on earth. The significance in the hope of those two words is remarkable, and that peace is found in the one that we are gathered around to celebrate this time of year, this season, the Christmas season, right? Jesus, who came from heaven to earth to rescue you and me, and it's that simple. That's who we celebrate. That's what all this is for, and that's who we're here gathered around today. But we, as human beings, have the amazing capability to take things that are extremely extremely simple and make them very, very complicated. We took Christmas Day and made it into 12 days of Christmas with that crazy little song, right? The 12 days of Christmas. And well, let me just, let me just throw that out to you because I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if you've ever done the research to financially come up with what it would cost to provide the 12 I- or the items in that 12 days of Christmas, it's staggering. The PNC Financial Group does an updated accounting every year based on the market price, the current market price that it would cost to purchase all of those items for your true love this year. And based on those calculations, it would cost $39,094.93. Now, I don't know how many of you are out there spending $40,000 on your true love for Christmas, but that is a bundle right there. And I've, I've heard the song enough times that I know this, most of those things I don't want. I don't know about most of you. Listen, it's because we have that ability to take those simple things and make them complicated in an extraordinary way. But God takes, he does the opposite. He, he takes the most complex things, how, like how the world could, how in the world could, could he save all of mankind? And he brings it down to a little baby in a manger that he's, puts into this world for us. So I want to talk to a few, for a few minutes this morning on the bare essentials of Christmas. The bare essentials. Because we have the essentials and then we have the bare essentials for Christmas. So if I, it doesn't matter if whatever you have gathered around you, right, for the preparation of the big celebration moment. If you have a spiral slice ham, Good for you, right? Maybe maybe you don't have a fancy meal planned at all this year. Maybe it's just people that you've gathered. That is incredible, right? But may, maybe your plans this year are a little bit of a hodgepodge. Your plan didn't really have, or maybe you don't really have one. It still hasn't all come together. Maybe you got the biggest miracle 2020 bonus, financial bonus you could ever dream of, right? Or maybe you're just simply scraping some things together to make this Christmas an incredible one. Whatever it is, whatever it is, what are the bare essentials for you and your family this Christmas? What's most important to your heart? What is, what are those things? And I think we should, should really, you know, drill down on those things. Listen, Christmas, I believe, speaks to every one of us in the room. And it, and it, it speaks to the deepest needs of who we are, the deepest needs of our heart. So let's, 
Let's leave the complicated and get back to the simple a little bit and really really focus there. It brings us back it brings us back here to a humble man and a humble woman and a miraculous gift that that God gave to that couple in this baby named Jesus. And it's in that snapshot that we find everything that we need. The bare essentials are all right here. So what are they? What are those things that I I would encourage us all to really focus on this Christmas? Well, first of all, number one, the first one is love. It is love. Every single one of us needs love and not just any kind of love. We need unconditional love that defies our worth from apart from what we do. There's a difference in what we do, what we accomplish who we know or, or what we own, right? right? That rat race of life is, is, is us feeling good about ourselves based on what we have or what we've accomplished or what we've, what we've, where we've come from. And, and that chaos, right? That, that chaos because we, we constantly have to upgrade. How many of you know we have to upgrade? We have to upgrade who we hang out with. We have to, we have to upgrade. We've got to one-up our own accomplishments oftentimes in order to feel worth something in order to continually to feel that worth. I, I, I have to upgrade my, the nativity, right? How many of you have nativities at your house with all the characters, right? People are upgrading, updating, those kind of things. I, I remember growing up, we had the same nativity. In fact, my mom and dad still have that same nativity set up at their house that I, we've had since I was a little bitty kid. And uh, it's just part of the Christmas uh, season that I love is seeing those things, all those little details, but but we live in a different world now, right? There's a there's a Pinterest life that a lot of us have to keep up with, right? That everything has to be this thing, and, and it, it, one of the dilemmas that we have is this: What am I truly worth? What am I truly worth? What am I all about? What am I about? And it's answered right here in this moment because. In this picture, it is, it's God's answer to your worth, right? When I was a kid, I remember every Christmas Eve, they would interrupt the TV program we were watching and they would say, they would say, we interrupt this broadcast for a special, very important message to give to all the kids tonight. And they would break in and the news program would come on, right? And, and the, the newsman, the weatherman would say, good news, kids, we've detected Rudolph, right, entering the North American airspace, and all of a sudden, they would show this little cheesy graphic up in the left-hand corner of the screen, and it'd be this bright little red light, right, representing Rudolph's nose, and 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 all the and kids would be gathered around televisions, and they would say, "Good news! They've detected Rudolph with Santa coming our way." Right? And I remember, and they would they would they would talk about it. they'd give it a little bit of time, and the, the regular television program would come back on, and then they'd interrupt the broadcast again with the same thing oh he's getting closer and they'd show a map where Rudolph was and now he's coming through the different states and then he would arrive here in New Mexico and when he would arrive in New Mexico we knew that it was time we had to get to bed because obviously Santa was close right or 
what we thought was going to happen, right? And so when Rudolph was on the radar, we knew what was going to happen and it would, it would get us all excited. And to think today, listen, we, we aren't celebrating flying creatures on a radar. Listen, we're celebrating the reality that you are on heaven's radar right now. That God is paying attention to you and what's going on in your life, the details of your moment, of your life. God not only sees you, but here's the deal. He loves you. He loves you. Not because of what you have, not because of your accomplishments, or not because of who you hang out with, right? Not because of what you've done. Not, not, he loves you because he created you, uniquely you, you're you, and there, there's no one like you, and he loves you so much. He's loved you from the very beginning when the Bible says he knits you together in your mother's womb. Incredible, incredible that God loves us like, like that. You know, there's a, there's a text in the end of the New Testament that summarizes love in a powerful way. Because when we say that, that, that one of the, the bare essentials of humanity is that we're loved, that we're, that we're loved, loved gets defined in a lot of ways. A lot of people say that love looks like this or love looks like that. Back in another generation, there was a, there was a song that said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of right? It's still the case. That's still the case. The tension, the rage between people, the, dis, the discontentment among nations, the, the tension within our own self that we, that we can't even love ourselves some, and then how can we love others when we can't even love us? But what is love? Is it just an idea? Is it a warm, fuzzy feeling? Is it, what is it? Some sort of a man-concocted solution to the tension that exists around us to help us through the day? Listen, but in this text, love is defined in the most powerful way. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. So here's the idea. Love one another. But here's, then there's some substance behind that idea. First John 4, 7 says, For love comes... From God. So love originated with God. Love comes from God. If, if I could put a footnote right here, I would say this. The solutions for all of the tensions found here on earth are not found in men. The solutions are not found in men. They're found in men who have been found by God. They're found in men whose God's love has gone out to, who's been captivated by his heart. God is the only one who speaks peace into mankind and in whom his favor rests, right? And that is what the text is unfolding for us. First John chapter four, the next verse, verse eight says, everyone who, who loves has been born of God and knows of God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. But that, that doesn't mean God is a warm feeling, right? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that God is a, an abstract thing out in outer space somewhere that's called love. God is going to define what his love is all about. He defines it for he is love. He defines love. Look at verse nine. It says, this is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son 
into the world that we might have life through him, that we might live through him. So we're, we're, we're getting the, this old unfolding reality of what God's heart is, right? The true, what God's heart is, this is how he showed us his love. In other words, if you want to know love, look in the manger, right? If you want to know love, listen to the angels. If you want to know love, then see a God who's willing to enter into human flesh so that you could, so that, so that you could see God and know God and be brought back to him. That is who he is. That is what he's done. And he's brought himself close to us. The second bare essential that I would point us to today is, is that of grace, right? That for all of us is a life of grace. We Listen, it's something we simply cannot live without. And we can't say there's no right and wrong. None of us actually believe that. We all know there's right and there's wrong. We, can't, we, can, say that, we, we can say that I can't judge you and you can't judge me. That's certainly the case, but there is a standard, and the standard is this thing called truth, and God is truth, right? There is something that is right and pure and lovely and holy and good about Him, and we all know that because we have some of the divinity of God stamped into us at creation itself, and we know that there is a great God in heaven, and and that there is something to aspire to that, that, is, that is better than our best efforts on our best day. And if you don't feel a need for grace, listen close. It's obvious there's not much for you to celebrate at Christmas time. For there is no connection between you and God. There's that love hasn't been shown to you or you to him. But, but if you only have if you only have one regret in your life, if you only have one stain or one ounce of shame or one memory that is haunting you of a decision you made, if there's a cloud over you that's saying, I should have done it different or better, I wish I could, have cha- I could go back and change that decision, I've tried to make it right, I've tried. then you need the grace of God that only he can give. You need his grace and that grace is in that manger. It's in that moment where God interrupts human history and says, wait a minute, I'm sending my son on a rescue mission for all mankind, right? The angel said, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In other words, the message of Christmas is not just any baby came. It's not just any baby. It's that God's gift to you and me. He came in the form of that baby. He goes on to say in the next verse, not only this is how God showed us his love, but then he adds on. It says in in 1 John chapter 4 verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He sent his son. As that atoning sacrifice, this is love, he says. Not that, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And, and, why, why do we need that word and? Why not just a period? Why not an exclamation point? Why? No, he said and, and. It's not, about, it's not about our love for God, right? Because we all know we failed there. We totally bail on that sometimes. The Christmas story didn't start with me. It certainly didn't start with you. It's, I, I didn't announce to all mankind that we are in need of a Savior, although we all know we do need a Savior, right? I, 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 it's, it wasn't our idea. It wasn't God. It, it, was, it was God's idea. 
It's not ours. It's not a human idea. It's, it's God's idea. Love started with God loving us. It's the only thing. It's the only reason we know what love even looks like. And the reason this is such a huge moment for us is because all of us know we haven't done enough to deserve that kind of love. We've simply not done enough. But Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> love didn't start with us. So it doesn't have to end with us. Okay, we don't have to have enough. God is love and he's come for us that we might know life, that we might see light, that we might have peace and hope. Listen, Christmas night is, isn't about what we did to reach God, okay? It's about what God did to come toward us. He came, right? He came. He, he, he came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. He came into our world and most of us think, that, that's, a good, that's a good enough story right there. That's a, that's a beautiful story, but put a period right there. You don't have to say anything else. Just in the Bible right there. Why do we even need uh, the rest of the New Testament? Why do we need it? And, and, and let, let the, that be the end. God loved us, period, right? Be a great story. But there is a conjunction that's sitting there in the middle of that, the little word, and. That little word, and, and that must mean that the story of God is beyond human comprehension, that there's more ahead for us. There's yet more to know. And I pray that you will see the power in what he did for us. Let's read this again. First John 4, 10. This is love. Not what we, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and and turn to somebody in the room and say, get ready, <laughs> right? Because there's something else. There's something more. And, and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The bare essentials of life, right? Without love, your heart, your soul is going to shrivel up. Without love, you, you can have your own headline, you can have an amazing story, great success, you can climb all the corporate ladders you want, you can attain all the wealth that this world has to offer, everything on your to-do list and your bucket list, checked off the list, but listen, your soul will shrivel up without the unconditional love of God. That is what defines us and gives us the greatest sense of self-worth that we could ever have. And listen, without grace, how would we ever sleep at night? With, without a clear conscience, without the removal of the stain of the guilt and shame, without the lifting of the weight of our own sin, how can we make it through this life? And we certainly won't make it into the presence of Almighty God, right? But God says, here's how much I love you. I sent my son as the atoning sacrifice for your sins for your sin what does atoning sacrifice even mean it means that baby born of a virgin innocent of sin grew up to be a humble man willing to lay down his life in the greatest sacrifice ever known to mankind he traded his innocence and divinity right for all of our guilt and shame it's the great exchange right Charles Spurgeon calls it the great exchange. He, 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 he gives us what we could not attain on our own. It's the greatest gift exchange that's ever taken place 
in the history of the world. And what God was giving was his very best to you and I. That, we, that, that you and I could come back into life, that we could have life again spiritually and experience everything that he had created us to be. Everything. A couple more bare essentials in this story. I think all of us would admit today that one of the bare essentials is family. One of the bare essentials of our life, right, is family. We're gathered around, many of us, this time of year with friends and family. And, and listen, I'm not talking just blood family. I have a lot of friends that I would consider family, right? That we are family together. We, we're in a church family together. The word of God calls it a family. We, we, we see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're, we're family together. We're, we're living in a world that right now that is literally tearing the family apart, not just emotionally, but physically keeping us away from each other or encouraging that. We're being told that we can't be with our family, that we should isolate, that we should, we should do that and how, how we shouldn't be around our, our elderly grandparents and people that we love because we might expose them to something, right? The world around us is literally keeping the family apart, but God is all about it, right? Coming together. If you don't believe it or proof, just look at the manger. They were all gathered together, right? You have, you have a husband and a wife and a baby, and you, at the very beginning of God's salvation story, family was obviously important to God, or he would have just made Jesus' birth a little bit different, right? He didn't have to include all the rest of those characters. He didn't have to do that, but he did. So that means that your family is one of the bare essentials of life, right? So take a moment in this grace-filled moment of God in our lives, right? To reach out to those people that you're not physically close to today. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Tell them you love them. Tell them you miss them, right? Do something for them. If there's, if there's, if there's a grievance, if there's a, been an issue between you, maybe there's a gap, maybe there's, there's been a wrong that needs to be made right, man, go for it. I promise it's worth it. It's worth it. Reach out to them. Be the first one to say, I'm sorry, right? And mean it, right? Not I'm sorry I got caught or I'm sorry you found out. Be, be truly sorry or say this, I love you. Say those words. Or it's, it's been a while since we spoke, but and I wanted, to, I wanted to call you and tell you that I loved you and Merry Christmas, right? It changes everything. Family's a bare essential. Secondly, about the family, it says that God doesn't want you to live lonely. He doesn't want you lonely. Some of you right now are lonely. Listen, listen stop choosing loneliness. He doesn't want us isolated right? Maybe your biological family is a train wreck. I know a lot of those, right? Maybe it's a wreck. Maybe you don't even know your family. Listen, you have a new family, right? God gave you a birth family. Then God gives you a second family in the church. He gives you a, a family to belong to, a, a group of people that you can connect to, right? In our church, we have, we have life groups where we literally get together and do life with one another. We share a meal. We pray. We sometimes we'll, we'll do a Bible study together. Those things. It's family to us, right? It's important. And by the way, if you need that, you need to reach out and get it. You need to, you need to go for it, right? You need to go for it. You need to invest in it. Every family thing that I do, that I invest in, I receive from. So right now, if you're needing to receive, 
You need to do some investing, right? That, that family. Maybe somehow you're stuck where family wasn't, maybe you grew up and family just wasn't all that important. You didn't know how it's supposed to function or work, right? I want you to know there's a God in heaven who is your father and he loves you so very much that he gives you that family to come into now. And God puts, he puts lonely people into a big group who will love on them and care for them. And I, I love every single one of you. I love, I love being a part of your lives. I love being involved. I love, I love showing up where you are. And I love when you show up where we are. And listen, scripture says, even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And, and listen, Christmas, Christmas is about family. It's about gathering together. It's not, it's not just about the family you're born into. It's about, it's an invitation to be a part of God's very own family, right? And, and when, you're, when, you're, when you put your faith in Jesus, it's not, it's, it's not just a heavenly transaction, okay? That's not what it is. It's a heart transformation that takes place. It's, the Bible says we're born again, sons and daughters, God, God and being loved like this in a family, it's a bare essential. None of us can do it on our own, okay? None of us. Another, another one of the bare essentials is is, is purpose, right? A purpose. The purpose of our lives is a huge deal. Every one of us need, need it, and we know there's a purpose in our lives bigger than just our job, right? Bigger than that. Your job is not your purpose. The size of your income is not your purpose. Your, your promotion isn't your purpose. Purpose has to be bigger than the pleasure in your life. We were made for way more than that. Way more. And the purpose that we need, again, is found in the simplicity of that little manger. Once again, right? If he was Lord at thy birth, as the songs, if he was king when he was born, if he was God come down in human flesh, then he's the greatest of all time. And we find our purpose in relationship with him and sharing him in that relationship with other people. So it doesn't matter if you're a baker or a broker or a Whatever it is, a mother or a lawnmower, whatever, that's what you do. Purpose is why you do it. So why do you do what you do? To wake up one day and, and to, to put our hands on what we're good at, right? And, and to, to what, we, what we do so that the light of Jesus can shine through us to this world. That's the greater purpose for which we were born. Listen, I, I hope someone today, I hope many of you today actually is, is your eyes are being opened to the greater simple gift that God came to give us through the birth of his son and, and it, who, who in the clutter of this complicated Christmas, and this one may be more complicated than many in our lives, but hopefully, prayerfully, you have found the miracle and the power of a simplified story of the birth of our Savior. Listen, this is God who's come down so that we can know him, so that we can love him, so that we can know the grace of him and be born again into a family that we can have life and have purpose to chase after. And all of that comes after all of that, when it, as it's coming, when we come to know Jesus, when we bow our hearts and admit our sin and accept his forgiveness, listen, that relationship, that family, that new life can be yours right here. I 
Christmas time, right? At Christmas time, thank Jesus for coming to us. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.